Hello, everyone. My name is David, one of the pastors here. And uh, we are drawing near to the end of a series on the book of James. And we've been walking through this uh, book for a number of months. And uh, James is one of the earliest letters in the New Testament, uh, written by the brother of Jesus, James. And the theme of today's message, are you ready for it? Is judgment. Now, when I say the word judgment, what comes to mind? What, what feelings come to the surface? If you're online, just uh, type in what comes to mind when you hear the word judgment. Uh, it's a loaded word. It is a really loaded word. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do in this world. Uh, you can say and do without too much of a consequence. But the one thing you cannot do is to judge someone. In Western culture, to be judgy, to be judgmental, uh, is one of the worst things a person can do. If someone ever suggested to another person that certain behaviors are wrong or what they're doing is not right, wow, people feel pretty strongly about that. And the response is, stop being so what? So judgmental. How dare you judge me? Uh, to be judgmental in our culture is seen as, well, wrong which is a judgment, I recognize that, but we won't get into that right now. I also find that one of the verses that a lot of people know, uh, they don't know where they find it, but they know this verse, and I even knew this verse when I was an atheist, and it's the verse where Jesus says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Everyone knows Matthew 7, judge not. Um, and, and we often will pull out that verse to defend choices that we make. Because if we make a choice and somebody says, well, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. It's, ah, I feel like you're judging me. Um, so on one hand, though, we have to realize this. One hand, this is Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7. He does teach us. He says, judge not, lest ye be judged. And we do well to listen to what he has to say. Because it does seem to imply that there's a problem when you and I judge one another. On the other hand, and this is something I've been puzzled about for many, many years, um, much of God's word is teaching us how to judge. Uh, so much of scripture equips us to discern what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, what is the way of life and what is the way of death. Um, and so one of the dilemmas, I think, for Christians is this. If you see someone doing something that is actually not right, making bad choices, can you say something? Or does saying something make you judgmental? So to put it differently, how can we, on one hand, speak truth into another person's life? What you're doing is wrong or what you're doing is right. And on the other hand, avoid the sin of judgmentalism. Well, I think James can help us out here. And so we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, uh, just two verses. James chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, reads, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Lord, we need your help on this one. Uh, we need your wisdom. And so we pray that you would speak to us through your word. 
and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that understands and the courage to respond to what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, to understand this passage, this is where we're going, so keep your Bibles open. This is what we're going to be looking at today. To understand this, uh, the, the message of James, you have to understand this passage. We have to look at the context in which um, these, pa- these verses are written. Um, much of the book of James is James calling a, the church to repent, meaning change your mind, change, stop doing the things that you're doing and, 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 and align yourself with the way of God. Um, the church is going in a lot of wrong directions, um, and there's a lot of reasons for this. And it, but it seems like the church has lost its way. At the beginning of chapter 4, we get to the point where um, James is saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of quarrels. He says, what causes the fights and quarrels among you? He says, because it's a church where everybody's fighting. So um, why is the church fighting? Why are they fighting among themselves? Well, one of the reasons is that uh, it seems that there are people within the church that rather than walking the ways of God, they were choosing the ways of the world. They're conforming to the ways of the world. And James calls the church to repent, um, to change their, their, their way of thinking, to submit themselves to God to humble themselves, knowing that God will exalt them. And then he expands upon this. And he expands on a little bit of the nature of the problems that the church was facing. Now, one of the issues that it seems that the church was facing is the issue of judging. And judging concerns how we speak about and to one another. And there's a lot of judgment flying around the church. Look at verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment of it. And so what I'd like to do today is I want to look at two themes. The first theme is the theme of slander. The second theme is the theme of judging. Okay, now let's do the easy one first. Let's let's look at slander. Uh, James says... um, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Okay, what does it mean to slander? What is slander and why is it such a big deal? Well, the, the word slander, the Greek word is um, kataleleo, in case you're interested and you want to use it throughout the day. Uh, but <laughs> slander, the Greek word actually has three meanings to it. One, it means to speak ill of someone. Secondly, it means to speak falsely about someone. And thirdly, is to speak ill, to speak falsely behind their back. So those are the three components. And so right from the get-go, you can kind of see why this is a problem. It directs speech against someone. You're speaking ill of someone. It is speech that, well, is is untrue. You're speaking falsely. And it is um, speech that's directed against someone, and they're not even present. It's done behind their back. And it seems to, in James, that a lot of the quarrels, a lot of the fights that are going on in the church was because of slander. And, and James, you know, James points out the dangers of slander, but actually scripture has a lot to say about um, the issue of slander. We read in Leviticus chapter 19, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Uh, Psalm 101 verse 5, uh, whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him I will put to silence. Proverbs 10, 18, he who conceals his hatred has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the New Testament, Romans 1.30, Paul talks about gossips, slanderers, and haters of God. And even in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul suggests that behind a lot of the quarreling in that church in Corinth, there is jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, 
and disorder. And uh, in James, it, uh, James says this, so it's, it's kind of interesting. He says, those who speak ill, those who speak falsely behind someone's back uh, about their brother and sister in the church, he says, they are speaking against the law. They are speaking against the law. What is the law that he's referring to? Well, I think it's the law that we come across that Jesus teaches us on, the great commandment, which is to the law to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so what we say about others is pretty important. Um, it, it, it really matters. And so if you're going to slander someone, that's a problem because words matter. Um, when you speak words that are slanderous, what you're doing is you're reflecting stuff that's going on inside your heart. If your hearts are full of poison, it's going to spill out as poison. And that's why Jesus gets after uh, people in the, in the in Sermon on the Mount where he talks about um, calling your, your neighbor, who you ought to love, you call them raka, fool, right? And the other problem with slander is, is not only does it reveal a heart that's full of poison, the, the second issue of slander is this, is that slander affects reality. When you slander someone, it, it can affect their lives. It can affect their self-understanding, their self-esteem, uh, their future. I mean, you think about it, how many lives have been ruined through gossip and slander. And so slander violates the first principle, to love God and to love our neighbor, to love those who are made in the image of God, our neighbors. And, and to ignore the call to love our neighbor is not only to break the law, but this is what James is getting at. It essentially judges the law as not really being important. And what's worse is to slander is actually to do the opposite of what the law requires. We're called to love our neighbor. What slander does is it, it, it hates our neighbor. It, it demonstrates hatred of our neighbor. Which is a problem, especially when you figure who the author is behind the law to love our neighbor, and that is God himself. To reject or to ignore the command to love our neighbors, to reject or ignore the lawgiver, the judge, God himself. He is the ultimate authority. He is the authority of the universe. And so what James is saying, the issue isn't simply that you've broken God's law by slandering one another, but you're also, in, in slandering one another, you're judging, you're judging the author, you're judging the authority behind the law, which is God himself. And it's always precarious to judge God. So that's what we see in verse 11. Verse 12, we read these words. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Which brings us to our second theme. First theme is on slander. The second theme is on the theme of judging. To judge. What does it mean to judge your neighbor? Well, this is important to get because the Bible has a lot to say about this. But judging and justice in the Bible is never some abstract idea. It's not some conformity to some abstract idea of what is just and what is right. That's not what judgment is all about in, in Scripture. It's, to judge took place always within the context of community. Uh, it always takes place in the context of relationship. 
And so justice was relational and it, it, it included within it a desire for the flourishing, the shalom of community. And same in the New Testament, to judge uh, involves two things. It involves approval of this is right behavior, but also condemnation. This behavior is destroying relationship, it's destroying community. And so in the Bible as a whole, all true judgment is never seen in an abstract sense. But is all, all true judgment is a reflection of the heart of Yahweh, of the heart of God. He is the Lord of everything, and he is the judge who judges justly. And when we walk in his ways, we live. So in light of this, what is James teaching us about judging our neighbor? Well, for starters, James is saying, be careful. <laughs> be very careful. Why? Because there's only one lawgiver and judge who has authority over life and death and who can save and destroy. Uh, there's really only one who judges perfectly. And so if you're going to take on the role of a judge, well, you got pretty high standards to meet. Um, you need to, to judge well and carefully. But this brings us back to our dilemma. The dilemma in the New Testament, I think in the Bible, uh, is this. On one hand, the Bible teaches us that Christians, if you're followers of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to judge. To judge in moral matters. This is right. This is wrong. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that we need spiritual maturity to judge right behavior and wrong behavior in the church. Paul, uh, we also read in the New Testament that we have... Um, we are expected to exercise judgment in spiritual matters. In 1 John chapter 4, uh, John writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether or not they're from God. Just judge whether these, the spirit is from God or not, because there are many false prophets that have gone out in the world. And so that is why, that's why we have a, I'll speak for myself, I have a problem when people throw around the verse, judge not. As if any judgment in moral decisions is, 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 is out of bounds. I mean, the entire word of God is teaching us um, what is the way of life and what is the way of death. Um, the entire word of God is teaching us how to be in sync with God, his ways in the world. So how do we square this call to judge to what James is teaching us about judgment? Uh, how do we, well, how do we learn to judge without being judgy, right? Is there a way through this? Well, I think there is a way through this. And uh, what I'd like us to do is just, let, let's begin with what is true, okay? So stay with me here. Okay, what do we know that's true? Well, in the Bible, we know that God, the triune God, is the ultimate judge who is just and does justly, right? So if you and I are going to judge, it has to be a kind of judgment that reflects the heart of God and his way of judgment, okay? So when Jesus says, do not judge lest ye be judged, he's not saying that we shouldn't express what is right or what is wrong. I mean, that runs against all of Jesus' teachings and all the Bible's teachings. So what's he teaching us? Well, he's teaching us to be very, very careful and very serious about judgment. When we do judge, when we do judge, anything we say or do needs to reflect the ways and the will of the ultimate judge. And so it requires a lot of care and restraint. 
And that means when you slander someone or when you judge someone in a flippant or arrogant or careless way, uh, when you speak in such a way to tear a person down, to put them in their place, or, or to shut the book on someone saying they're going to hell in a handbasket, um, <laughs> when we're doing anything that's not motivated by love, well, that's the wrong kind of judgment. Why? Well, because you're misrepresenting the author of all that is good and all that is just, which is God. Where's one lawgiver and judge? And if we judge without taking all this into consideration, we are judging inappropriately. And I think that's behind the problem that James is referring to. Whenever we slander, lie, or give ulterior motives to others, uh, whenever we seek the good in our own eyes or close a book on someone, we're, we're not just sinning against our neighbor, though we are. We are sinning against it, that's bad enough. But we're also breaking trust with God. We're misrepresenting him. We're, we're distorting his heart. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, this judgment that we throw out will bounce back and hit, us, hit ourselves. That's what James is getting at. And then we're in a lot of trouble. Okay, so what does all this mean to the church? What does all this mean? Well, something we, we probably know to be true, <laughs> but we don't talk about. I mean, what James is teaching us um, implies that uh, the church can often fall into the problem of being slanderous and judgmental. I know that comes as a shock, that the church can be slanderous and judgmental, but it's true. Um, what is true in the church in the first century is true in the church in 2021. And I always love it when people, when, sometimes when people hear that um, I'm a pastor and that I work at a church, they'll say, oh, that must be so awesome to work at a church. Oh, I bet everybody there just gets along. They just love each other. And, and uh, you know, they, 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 uh, they, <laughs> they work well together and uh, there's no politics, there's no issues. Uh, yeah, no, there is, there is stuff. <laughs> but the problem is, is in the church, in the church, slander is not always easy to spot. You know why? It's because we hide slander. We dress up slander with pious language, in pious clothes. Uh, people in the church are really good at saying really hurtful things, but in a way that has this kind of religious veneer over it to make it sound somehow godly. Um, or people will do things or say things that are judgmental, um, or they'll slander somebody um, but they're doing it, and you often hear this, for the good of the church. They're doing this for the good of the church. And so, yes, I may slander somebody, try to get them out of a position of authority, but you know what? If they left the church, if they were out of the position of authority, well, that would be the good, it would be good for the church. Well, that's a danger. Whenever you, whenever you tear down a person for the sake of a concept, the good of the church, you're you're entering the devil's playground. You need to be very careful about that. Secondly, <laughs> slander, and you guys know this, but slander in the church really hurts. You can work at Canadian Tire and be slandered, and that would hurt, but there's something about the church. When slander hits you in the church, it really hurts. Why? Because, well, on one hand, we don't expect it. We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to love one another, not tear each other down. We ought to be better than this. 
Um, and also, when you get hurt in the church, it just hurts more. And, and James is getting at that because notice in these two verses how many times he makes reference to brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. And he's just reminding us that in the church, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And brothers and sisters in Christ should not be tearing each other down. Um, and that's why when it happens, and it does happen, uh, it really hurts. So, how can we respond to all this? What can we do in response to this? Well, a few things. One, you and I need to know and live what is true. And that means we need to commit to personal integrity, and we need to commit to knowing and living out the Word of God. And here's the thing. If you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know the Bible, um, if you don't know the Word of God in, in your head, in your heart, and in, in how you live, then you're not really going to know the heart of the lawgiver and the judge, Yahweh. And you're going to be more likely, when you do judge, to judge wrongly. You're more likely to judge in such a way that it might even include slander and judgmentalism. So, know and live what is true. Secondly, don't choose truth over grace. And, and churches are really big on truth, at least historically they have been. It's like, this is true, and it doesn't matter what kind of cost it has on a, on a real person's life. I mean, I know uh, stories, and you probably know stories, or churches where, you know, maybe a couple, they got together, they're not married, and they, she gets pregnant, and, and the church is like, this is wrong, and... And they kick them out of the church and they have nothing to do with the church again. And the church can say, well, we did what was right. But here's the thing. When you choose truth over grace, you can hurt a lot of people. And I think a lot of people want to have nothing to do with Christianity because of the judgmentalism that they've experienced. Um, because when you have truth without grace, you know what you end up with? You end up with um, uh, legalism. And legalism... Has, has none of the cross around it. <laughs> there's, there's no cross in legalism. Legalism is do this and you're okay with God, don't do this, and God hates you, which removes the center of the Christian faith, which is the cross, which is forgiveness, which is grace, right? Which leads to the third point. So the first is know and live what is true. Secondly, don't choose truth over grace. Thirdly, don't pit grace against truth. And this is a challenge for us in our age, um, but you and I need to be open to hearing the truth. We need to be open to judgment. Yikes. Uh, you need to be open to hearing the truth about yourself and the decisions you're making. Yes, it hurts, I get that. But that's okay. Uh, I like Psalm 139 uh, where, where we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Again, a dangerous prayer. And I find in our culture, we're so sensitive to correction um, and our instincts immediately set up resistance to any words of judgment. But here's the thing. What if, what if the judgment is correct? What if you shouldn't be doing what you're doing? Or you ought to be doing this? Are you open to criticism against the standards of Scripture and the Spirit? This requires courage. It also requires friendship, I think, and community. Um, it's, when you have a friend speak truth into your life, it's, it, it means something, because you know they, they love you, right? Slander is poison to the church. Yes, I agree. But here's the other thing that's dangerous to the church. It's niceness. <laughs> I'd rather have someone speak truth than be nice to me. Um, 
I don't want someone to be nice to me. I want someone who loves me so much that they'll speak truth into my life, even if it hurts. Okay? Because that's how you grow. The fourth thing is this. The last thing is this. Live the Christian life in grace and truth. Hold those two things together. Um, Jesus embodies grace and truth. Being ungracious cuts people down, but being untruthful allows cancer to grow within the body of Christ. And a shortage of grace and truth will undermine the mission of the church. And knowing the truth will set you free, and grace is a context in which truth can flourish. Um, one of the, my favorite writers, I read him pretty much every day, is John Newton, 18th century uh, pastor. And uh, he's just a brilliant writer. Everybody wrote him letters asking for advice. And, and Newton, he just is very wise. And uh, somebody wrote him a letter asking him, you know, what he thought about this, this pamphlet that he had written, that this other guy had written, that was taking on some theological issue. And I, I just love what Newton responded. His response is this. He says, you know what? He says, he says grace has long and strong arms. Isn't that awesome? Grace has long and strong arms. And I think it's more becoming a Christian. It's more becoming for a Christian to be unwilling to give someone up, to, to hand them over, to shut the book on someone. He says, I don't think dialogue, this kind of dialogue that you're wanting to do, will do any good, especially if it tears people down. When you open up your opponent to ridicule and contempt, he says, nothing good's going to come out of this. Why? because grace has long and strong arms, and we need to operate in grace, grace and truth together. And I love um, the way James ends this passage. It's a really important passage, a really important question that he, he ends it with. He says this, he says, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And I think that's a really good question. I think it's a good rule of thumb to always ask ourselves that question before we pronounce judgment. Uh, to use Jesus' words, before I look for that speck in my neighbor's eye, do I have a huge log plank stuck in my own eye? Um, and so our starting point in all this is to know God and to know ourselves. But for God's grace, you and I are in a lot of trouble. You realize that. If it's not for the cross, you and I, the theological term is toast. We are in a lot of trouble. We are under judgment and only when we truly understand grace that we have undeservedly received from the lawgiver and the judge who has long and strong arms of grace, only then can we begin uh, to speak and to live grace and truth into another person's life. So let the cross, which is a perfect picture of grace and truth, let the cross always be the center of all you say and do. And I think we'll do, we'll do well if we, if we remember that. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we come before you uh, recognizing that we are completely dependent upon you. Apart from you, we are lost. Uh, we were far away from you. Your word teaches us that we are objects of wrath. Wow, there's, that's a tough word. But because of your great love, because of the Father's great love with which he loved us, through you, Jesus, we have been brought from being no people to being adopted sons and daughters of the Most High, that we can call the living God of the universe Father, that we are recipients of grace. 
And yet we are also faced with the truth that but for the work of the cross, we are in a lot of trouble. And so help us to live our lives with grace and truth. Let's not sugarcoat truth and try to deny it. Let's speak truth into one another's life, but to do so in a way that is full of grace and love. In all that we do, may we reflect your heart, the perfect heart of justice, and uh, help us to, uh, to be um, men and women in the church that operate in grace and truth in all that we do. We ask this not in our own strength, but we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.